Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 11 of Genesis chapter 9. We're going to begin with reading Genesis 9 verse 20. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. In our last study, we looked at the word husbandman, and we saw that it it is a word that identifies with God himself. John 15 verse 1 tells us, I am the vine, and my father is the husbandman. We also saw in James chapter 5, verse 7, that God likens himself to a husbandman who waits for the rain, the early and latter rain, in order to gather his fruit. And until then, he has long patience. He, he will not pour out his wrath. And we discussed how that relates to God's salvation program his overall program of times and seasons until Judgment Day, until the coming of the Lord. And the Lord came in judgment on May 21, 2011, at the end of the Great Tribulation, which also means it was the end of the latter rain. And up until the husbandman received the early and latter rain, he was long-suffering. He had long patience for it. And Second Peter 3.15 explained to us that we can account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, which further tells us that God's salvation program was in effect. People were being saved. The elect were being brought in as these uh, fruits, the precious fruit of the earth throughout the church age. And then... Um, finally, in the grand climax of the second part of the Great Tribulation period, a great multitude that no man could number became saved, and the latter rain completed its task and finished falling on May 21, 2011. At that point, the patience of God runs out. His long-suffering uh, posture towards the inhabitants of the earth came to a close and he began to punish the wicked of the earth. Well, that that's all in view with Noah becoming a husbandman. It, it goes on to tell us in verse 20, and he planted a vineyard. Now this would all relate to what we were just talking about, the seasons of rain. But God does use the figure of a vineyard in a very interesting way concerning corporate bodies or corporate entities that um, the Lord used as representatives of his kingdom to the people in the world. The first outward representation of the kingdom of God, well, that was probably the Garden of Eden, but... But as far as an official corporate body, it was national Israel. 
And then God finished with national Israel at the time Christ went to the cross, when the veil of the temple was written twain, and he, um, at that point, established a new relationship with another entity, the New Testament churches and congregations. They became the outward representation of the kingdom of God on earth. That is, when people looked at the church, they were seeing a representative of God's kingdom. The churches had the Bibles, and and that's where people could go to learn about God, to be saved if it was God's good pleasure to save them. There, there was strong identification between the church and God, the kingdom of heaven. And, and that continued until the year 1988 AD, and then God ended the church age. Now, the Bible also likens both of these entities, these corporate bodies that had outward identification with God's kingdom, that is, they were visible, they were external. We have to make a distinction between the visible external corporate church that you can see on your street corner and the eternal invisible church that is comprised only of God's elect. That special church, the invisible church, are all those that truly became saved. And and God also refers to them as Jerusalem above. The visible, external church was comprised of wheat and tares, saved and unsaved, all throughout its existence of 1955 years. And, and then it, uh, at the end, God commanded his people to come out, leaving only tares or unsaved people to populate the world's churches, and that's where we find ourselves today. But both were typified by vineyards. In Matthew chapter 21, it says, beginning in verse 33, Here, another parable, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen. And by the way, husbandmen, plural, uh, we can look at them in the same way that we would look at pastors as shepherds. And yet we know there's a good shepherd. So there is um, the husbandman who is God, and yet there's underlings, um, that, that were to take care of things on earth to minister. And, and they're also identified as husbandmen. He sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent out other servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. 
When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Now, we know without any doubt, there's no question about this, that this vineyard that we just read about is picturing national Israel. Because they are the ones that slew the son when when they turned over the Lord Jesus Christ to the hands of the Romans to be crucified. And also we know that after God rent the veil of the temple, when he miserably destroyed those wicked men, those husbandmen who had charge of his vineyard after they had killed his son. God did not destroy the vineyard, but the vineyard continued to operate and it was turned over to other husbandmen. That's what verse 41 says. He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out um, sometimes you, you hear apartment to let. It, he will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Another season was to come. That would be the season of first fruits, where the early rain would fall during the church age. The vineyard of national Israel was destroyed but actually just national Israel was destroyed. The vineyard continued on as God now gave it to the New Testament churches and congregations. Now it would be their turn to bring forth fruit. So we we see that that's one vineyard, national Israel. Now the second vineyard is found in the book of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 5. And in Isaiah chapter 5, God is going to uh, tell us of the vineyard of the New Testament churches and congregations. What, what will happen to that vineyard that was let out to the other husbandmen after the son was slain. And it's, it's interesting and it's fitting. That is, it's in keeping with the way God has written the Bible and the way God has written the Bible is to make it as difficult as possible to hide truth. That's why the Bible's likened to a parable, and without a parable he did not speak, because parables serve to hide truth. All Scripture hides truth in one way or another, in a directly spoken parable like Christ would speak, or in plain, seemingly simple statements like God so loved the world. Many people think they understand that seemingly plain statement, and yet they end up far from truth with with uh, sometimes a whole other gospel. But all scripture is parabolic. All scripture within all the Bible, God has hidden truth. That's why the Bible tells us, Verily thou art a God that hidest thyself. And, and God is truth. So he hides truth. And one way he has done this, that he's camouflaged things, he's made it hard 
for the reader of the Bible to see these vineyards and who they represent is by sort of reversing the order. We would expect in Isaiah to read about the vineyard of national Israel. We would expect in the New Testament book of Matthew to read about the vineyard of the New Testament church. And yet, it's reversed. In Matthew, we read about Israel because they slew the son. Cannot be anyone but Israel. And the vineyard was turned over to other husbandmen, which only fits Israel's transition to the church. But in Isaiah chapter 5, we'll read of a vineyard that is really describing the New Testament churches and congregations. And Isaiah actually has much to say about the New Testament. Remember um, Isaiah 58, when God tells us about his Sabbath, his holy day. And, and those statements have application to the Sunday Sabbath. Well, here in Isaiah 5, verse 1, it says, Now I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard and a very fruitful hill. Again, this vineyard is the New Testament church, the corporate church, the external church. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof, and he planted it with the choicest vine. John 15, verse 1, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman. And uh, and built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes brought it forth wild grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. And and that would be the corporate church. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, not one stone left upon another, we read in Matthew 24. And I will lay it waste, it shall not be pruned, nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. The rain, the early rain fell upon the church, the vineyard of the New Testament corporate church throughout the church age. But then came the great tribulation. Judgment begins at the house of God for 2300 evening mornings, famine, no rain of any kind. Then on September 7th, 1994, the latter rain began, but it fell outside of the church. Not a drop, not a single drop fell within any congregation anywhere in the world. And so God commanded, I will also command the clouds that they rain, no rain upon it. And, and again, the clouds, as Numbers chapter 9 relates clouds to the commandments of God. It's the clouds, God's holy word, the Bible, that brings the rain. 
and the churches and congregations had Bibles in their pulpits, in their pews. But God commanded the clouds, do not produce rain. Do not bring the latter rain into the Presbyterian or into the Lutheran or into the Episcopalian or into the Catholic or into the Baptist or into any church of any kind because the time for that is done. God came to visit and he found fault. He he found their sinful condition and he brought judgment. There, there's a lot of other scriptures that tell us um, what took place when God came to visit. He, he gave space for them to repent of their high places and so forth. And they repented not. We read in Revelation chapter 2, and, and therefore he cast them into a bed of great tribulation. And that's exactly what this is saying concerning the vineyard. The vineyard is to lose its hedge, which would be its protection. It's to lose its wall. The wall of salvation is broken down. It's trodden down as the enemies of God are are going to trot it underfoot for 42 months or for the duration of the Great Tribulation period, the, the full 23 years. And there will be no rain, no rain of any kind, no gospel um, salvation taking place. From May 21, 1988, all the way through May 21, 2011, and, and throughout uh, the last 6,100 days of that, God was saving mightily outside of the world's churches, a great multitude no man could number, but not a single soul within the church. That's one of the big reasons God commanded his people, come out. Depart out of the midst, flee to the mountain, and and the child of God would bring his family because it was only outside that the rain was falling, no rain within, and and therefore no hope. And then on May twenty one, twenty eleven, what was true of the church only throughout the twenty three year great tribulation of no rain, then became true of all the world. Because the latter rain completed, it ceased to fall, and God has no further periods of rain. We, we can see this, for instance, in Joel. In Joel chapter 2, it says in verse 23, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, that that would be righteously, the word moderately, and that's speaking of the reign of the Old Testament that produced the fruit of Christ when he went to the cross or entered into the world and, and then fulfilled the Father's will and going to the cross to provide a demonstration of his atoning work from the foundation of the world. He has given you the former rain moderately and he will cause to come down for you the rain the former rain, that's the early rain, that's different than the the uh, former rain moderately. It, that's the early rain that fell during the church age. And the latter rain in the first month or as the first. And the floor shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. So we read of the former righteous rain 
the early rain and the latter rain. Again, the latter rain ends the rain. There, there are no further periods of rain. And the latter rain identifies with the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation was laid out, locked in to that exact 23-year period, that exact 8,400 days. And now we're living in those days, plural, after that tribulation, in the day of judgment, in a time in which there is now no rain. So the spiritual condition that was upon the New Testament church throughout the 23-year Great Tribulation now exists in the whole world. It's all over the earth. But going back to Isaiah chapter 5, at the end of verse 6, again, I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of Jehovah of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold oppression for righteousness, but behold a cry. Here we do read that the vineyard is not an actual vineyard, but it is people, the men of Judah. It is the house of Israel. And the house of Israel, um, even if you look at this historically, was made up of people. God's vineyard is people. It, it, it is the corporate church. And we know the corporate church is in view in Isaiah 5 for um, several reasons, but, but two main ones. One, there is no mention of slaying the son. The uh, owners of this vineyard or the husbandmen who are operating this vineyard did not slay the son. And two, when this vineyard is not turned over, there's no transition from the church to another entity because God is no longer dealing with corporate bodies. He did organize and have a representative with national Israel in the Old Testament, and he did organize and have as a legitimate representative with the New Testament churches and congregations for the New Testament period until the end of the church age. But once the vineyard of the New Testament churches and congregations came to an end, and it came to an end when God destroyed it, when he took away their hedge and broke down their wall, and and therefore anyone could come in and trod them under feet, and there was no rain, and all that language is not referring to Old Testament Israel, it's referring to the church, because the church was not turned over to, yet again, uh, another husbandman to operate the vineyard. This vineyard is finally destroyed, and it ceases to exist. It, it, It ceases to function. And what God did was, after he ended the church age, he began to work with individuals. He He worked one-on-one with people outside of the church. And and so the gospel came via the electronic airwaves and and people heard it privately in their cars, in their homes, through radio and internet and and 
they they were reached with the word of God and, and they were even told, don't go to church, don't go to any outward external corporate body any longer. God is through. Those days are finished. We are never to return. Anyone who returns to church today, well, you might as well go back to the first corporate body. You, you, you might as well go find a synagogue somewhere. Well, you would say, well, why would I do that? God is finished with Israel. And God is equally finished with the New Testament church. So why would anyone want to go back to a church? It, when God ends a relationship, as he did with Israel of old, he never returns. And as he has done now with the New Testament churches of the world, he will never return. The, the relationship is through. They are no longer his representatives. They are no more his representatives than the rabbi at the synagogue is representing the word of God, the kingdom of God, God himself. They, they have nothing to do with him. And neither does the pastor or the priest or the elder or the deacon. They are finished. As it says in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1, And the word of Jehovah came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord Jehovah unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves, should not the shepherds feed the flocks. That was their responsibility, their obligation. But they failed, so God says in verse 9 of Ezekiel 34, Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of Jehovah. Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. See how God has caused them to cease from feeding the flock. Uh, you know, um, maybe there's some people, they, they get confused. The people in the churches, the pastors, they're using Bibles, they're mentioning Jesus, they're saying, let's turn to this Bible verse and that Bible verse. Well, we should not be confused about this one thing that they are going contrary to the word of God by existing as a church, by operating as a church. God has ended his relationship. They are no longer his representatives. They no longer have any commission to feed the flock. They are operating out of their own minds and they no more represent the kingdom of God than the Buddhists do or the Muslims do or the or the um, synagogue does, the rabbi in the synagogue. The New Testament church age is over. It is done. It is finished. God's people are to have nothing to do with them or any other organized religion, false religions, or, again, Israel, the synagogue system, or any church, we may, by God's grace, meet together, gather together independently, um, without authority, with, with no 
uh, church leadership or oversight. Yes, we can have fellowship one with another as we worship God individually, as God um, has dealings with us in a one-on-one relationship. We might gather together in a small group or something like that, but never are we to consider another organization, another vineyard. The vineyard is destroyed, and God is finished with it. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.